Um, if you've been around Calvary for a number of years, you might know Dave and Deanna Chafee, but they left. They were on stage. Yeah, some of, some of them still know you. That's great. Dave, Pastor Dave was on staff with us for about 10 years, um, assistant pastor, very, various roles for those 10 years, and the Lord put a burden on him and his wife's heart to leave the rainy Northwest, to move to Sunshine in New Mexico, and start a ministry, a gap year program, a discipleship program for those exiting high school and before they enter college, just to give them a foundation. And we've been partners together in this for since day one. And Dave and his crew are here. And Dave is going to bring the word this morning. So would you join with me in welcoming back to the Northwest, Pastor Dave Chafee. Check, check. Hey, praise God. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Oh, man, so many, uh, just so many emotions, so many things that are on my heart. I, I wish, you know, I could just talk to everybody for an hour, but <laughs> uh, love you all and <clears throat> just want to say thank you. Just thank you for being a church that has supported us and loved us and blessed us, um, and just, man, it's hard to not, I, I was telling my wife, I'm just going to get up there and just bawl like a baby, man, I'm not going to be able to say anything, uh, just because I, I love you so much, and this is my home church, and um, it's just so cool to see what God's continuing to do here at Calvary Chapel, Chapel Southeast, and seeing the Lord, the Lord working in, in miraculous ways here, and um, I came through on um, this summer just for like a day, and um, it was right, right when Ryan was taken over, and he was teaching that, that Sunday morning. And um, I just remember sitting down and just being like, okay, this is going to be, you know, this is different. This is weird. Like, where's Doug, you know? Um, but um, just listening to Ryan teach, and it was just so cool to say, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't miss a beat. The Holy Spirit is in charge of this church, and he's moving and so it was just natural for me to be here listening to the word of God um, through my brother Ryan and just saying, God is in, he has his hand on this church. And that's a joy, amen? It's a joyful thing to know that God is in control. And I pray that you know that today, that he is in control of your life. It's the best place to be. Though the trials come, right, the suffering, the struggles of life will always be with us, but Christ Jesus will never let you go. You're inside the palm of his hand. And what could man do to us, right? What can the world do to us? Nothing. So that was just such, such an encouraging thing to see. And so, uh, yeah, I'm from this church. If you guys don't know me, I was a youth pastor here for a while, um, worship pastor, uh, outreach coordinator, and did a lot of different things on staff here. And um, just a joy to be back with you guys. And yeah. Glad to share the word of God with you. I'm with a ministry now uh, as a missionary called Agents for Christ. The, the ministry actually started in this church, actually, close to 15 years ago. Well, two families, my family, you guys have probably, some of you know Bill James, who's in, in charge of Uganda Kids Project, and many of you have gone over there to Uganda, and so he's my brother-in-law in the other half of the ministry, but we started it 14 years ago. Two families just feeling like the Lord wanted us to go share the gospel with the world around us. And we got in a couple RVs and left, and 
The rest is history. God's just been doing, expanding the ministry and doing different things as we continue to just say, Lord, you're first, right? Just say, Lord, you're first, and whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And watch him just radically change your life and use your life. Amen? So we started out just doing evangelism training at churches, uh, traveling and doing that. And that ended up, we started um, producing gospel tracks, just little cards with the gospel message on it. Those are now shipping all over the world. Um, We started a radio program called Evangelism Minute. And that really has just been a blessing for people. Just be encouraged to share your faith, right? And then um, Bill and Danielle moved over to Uganda, and they've been there for about 10 years now. And Uganda Kids Project is just exploding. It's just been crazy to see what God's doing. They're building a gymnasium now for the, for the high school, which is just, I mean, it's just incredible to go over there. I pray that if you haven't been over there, um, please go and see what God's doing over there. And so God is just on the move over there. Um, kindergarten, kindergarten, I said kindergarten the other day, and my wife's like, it's kindergarten. So kindergarten all the way through high school, uh, the school over there. And, and we have a medical center over there. We have a, a mission center, um, lots of things going on. As we just, um, we're like spectators watching Jesus do miraculous things. You know, people ask about the ministry sometimes, about 10th hour and and we just see the fruit in these, in these young people's lives as they get a hold of Jesus. Jesus gets a hold of them, really. But I feel like a spectator. Just, I, I just, you know, we provide, we provide a stage for Jesus, amen? We provide a stage for Jesus and then bring the word of God and watch him do miraculous things in the lives of those around us. But so over the last four years, we, we started the 10th Hour Project. It's a gap year for ages 18 to 26. And... We're just seeing God. We're on our seventh term now, which is crazy to think about. It just feels like yesterday when we left. I remember being, talking with Ryan, just going like, dude, am I really doing this? <laughs> and he's like, dude, are you really doing this? <laughs> but it's just been an amazing journey, and it's just seeing God blow our minds. And so the Lord has just been faithful. We've been traveling. Um, we're about three weeks into our tour now with our students. And uh, we're sharing the gospel everywhere we go. We're seeing people saved. Uh, we've seen quite a few people saved in Utah and Idaho. And just as we go to malls and 7-Eleven, wherever we're at, and seeing God move in powerful ways as you just step out to be um, his witness. Amen? Yeah. So we're just thankful, thankful to be a part of what God is doing and thankful to be with you guys. And so I wanted to share a little bit from the word of God today. We're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5, if you want to turn there. And this is really where we got the, the name of the ministry, Agents for Christ, as, as his ambassadors, right? Agent is another word for ambassador. And so I want to just dig into to the word. So give a little background on the letter here. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth. His first letter was kind of a rebuke in many ways to them about listening to false teachers. But this letter is a thankful note to most of the church for their repentance. Most of them had taken his advice, and um, Ryan's been teaching through the gifts and that, and they had some errors on the gifts, right? And and Paul was setting them straight, and most of them did repent. He also continues to call... Uh, the minority to repent and gives his credentials as an apostle. 
In chapter one, it focuses on the comfort God gives to the believer. In chapter two, we see he gives instruction on how to resist Satan. Uh, Chapter three talks about the new covenant and Christ's blood. In chapter four, we see the hope of glory, Christ in us. That should blow your mind, right? Christ lives in you. In chapter five, Paul talks about the earthly tents that we dwell in and how we are Christ's ambassadors here on earth. And that's where we'll be today. And we're going to be starting in verse 17 today. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so thankful, God. We're grateful for your word. Your word is truth, and we want to stand upon it, Lord. We live in a dark day where up is down, left is right, and no one can discern anything. It's insanity. But you are a rock, and your word is truth. And Lord, as we study it, we pray that we can be fixed upon it, that nothing would sway us from the word. It would be our foundation. It would be where we turn every minute of every day for every decision that we have to make, for every place that we have to go. Father, we pray that you would help us to lean into you, Lord. By the power of your spirit, help us understand, to comprehend your word and apply it, to act upon it, Lord. Not just to understand it mentally, but to act upon it. Lord, we know in these dark days, we need you all the more. But we know when it's dark, the light shines all the brighter. And so we pray, Father, that you would use, especially this church here in Portland, Oregon, God, what a place to be a light. Lord, may each one of these people in this room today know that they know that they are in you, that they are in Christ, and that they are his ambassador. Lord, You have a ministry for us all. Each one of us has a sphere of influence that we might reach this world with hope, that we come alongside people and love them, serve them, bless them, and open our mouths to share the truth with them. And so, God, please um, get me out of the way and speak what you have today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So now, before we dig into these uh, verses, we should notice the first word of our text is therefore, right? And the word that should trigger you to think, what is the word therefore? Therefore, right? Um, Synonyms for therefore might be consequently or accordingly. And so we need to look at the context of what was said prior to these verses to make sense of them. So in the beginning of the chapter, Paul continues his argument of why they should be, have boldness and courage even though they suffer. See, the, the Corinthian church had been under persecution. They're wondering what's going on, and Paul wants to comfort them, help them understand, look, don't worry. Even if they kill us, they can't kill us, right? It makes me think of some missionaries, um, when Rome would try to kill them and persecute them, some of them would laugh, and they would... And, this would blow the, the Roman guards' minds. Like, what are you laughing about? You can't kill me. Death is dead. 
I have Christ, and if you kill me, I'm only ushered into glory, amen? So he's reminding them of that. In verse one, he says, for we know that if our earthly house, is, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. So in our fallen flesh, we long for heaven, and we groan for it, and we know that we receive it. We know that this whole earth, this whole universe is under a curse, right? And there's this weight of, Lord, when, <laughs> right? Maranatha, Jesus. We have the power of God in us, but man, there, we want to we reach that glorified state, right? And we groan for it, but we know that we will receive it, amen? We know that we know that we'll be in glory one day with Christ. And this should remove the fear of death from us, especially in these days where people are coming against what you believe. You should understand that standing up for Christ and suffering for him is only a glorification of him. It lifts his name even higher. In verse 5, Paul reminds us of how we know this. He says, now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So the Holy Spirit present in our lives is the guarantee of eternal life to come. He's that deposit in our lives. The, the NIV says that he is a deposit from the Father. I use this pretty weak analogy, but you, I don't know. Some of you are old enough to remember layaway. <laughs> and yeah, and my mom would put like a big wheel on layaway. She'd put 10 bucks down and she'd play for the rest of the year to try to pay that thing off, right? So that I might have a Christmas gift. And so there's a down payment. It's like, it's mine. I'm coming to get it. That's very weak <laughs> compared to having the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, right? But God put his spirit in you and said, look, you're adopted. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I'm coming back to get you. And there should be an assurance in your heart today that you know that, that you know that deep within the Father loves me and he's going to come get me. Everything's going to be all right. Amen. Ephesians 1.13 says, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He sealed you, sanctified you. He's, he's in you, right? Now, you might ask, how do I know this for sure, Dave? How do I know? Well, one of the evidences of this is willful obedience to God's word. One of the evidences that you are truly saved is a desire, a willful a desire to be obedient to God's word. 1 John 2, 4 says, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. Now, I remember the first time I read that, that blew my mind, like, whoa, right? He desires your whole life. It doesn't mean you're gonna do everything right, church. So this, this verse shouldn't put a burden on your shoulders. It should relieve you to say, I really do desire to follow God. I really do want to follow him doesn't mean you're not going to wrestle with the flesh, the world, the devil, right? Always at you. But there's a, there's a place in your heart that says, God, I only want what you want. And when I try to follow myself, what happens? Train wreck, right? Lord, give me, please help me obey you. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Amen. And in verse 10, Paul explains that our works on earth will be judged, whether they were done in the flesh or in the spirit. And he goes on through verses 12 through 15 to say that the, to the Corinthians, you guys know our hearts, the apostles' hearts. We do this for Jesus alone and not, not to look good, not for status. If we look crazy to the world, it's to God's glory. And if we are of sound mind, it's for you. Because he died for us, we should live for him. Because of the love of Christ, we will endure all things for others, right? Because of his love, we will endure all things for others. 
And we will see others according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. And in these next verses, we see the natural response to that, right? The motivation for ministry. This is our motivation for ministry, what Jesus has done for us. Because of all this, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Paul is saying that if you have truly accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you are a new person. Listen, there is nothing from your past that should plague you, should haunt you um, if you are in Christ. If you truly know what he's done for you, and the devil will try to lie to you. I think some of you in here are still wrestling with the past, wrestling with your past sins. Listen, they're gone, right? The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed them from you. Live in that place, work from that place, flow from that place, amen? No matter what you have done, it is forgiven and you are free from it and from the condemnation of it. Anyone, anyone can call on the name of the Lord. Doesn't matter your past. He's freed you. Romans 8, 1 says, so now there is no condemnation for those who are belong, belong to Christ Jesus. How much condemnation? None, right? No, no condemnation. Don't walk around with that, wearing that anymore. I, not just forgiven, but changed. You have been forgiven and you have been changed inside. Now, I love how it says here, behold, behold, all things have become new. Behold is to perceive through sight or apprehension, to gaze upon. Paul's saying, look, behold, look at this, stare at it, understand this in your heart and in your life. Behold, all things have become new. It makes me think of other times the word behold was used. At the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, John 1, 29, it says the next day, <coughs> excuse me, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen? Excuse me. And when Jesus was mocked and beaten the second time, this word behold is used here. When Pilate parades him out in front of the crowd in John 19.5, it says, then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, behold the man. So here you have Jesus beaten, scourged, mocked, ridiculed, and here he is again. And because of that moment, we can say, all things have become new. We can say, behold, all things have become new for what Jesus has done. Even in the future, in Revelation 21.5, Jesus speaking says, he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. Here we behold the one who came onto the scene to live a perfect life, the one who was scourged and beaten and put to death, and the one who was resurrected and ever intercedes for us on his throne. Amen? Praise God. Because we have received this mercy, we can look and say, I have been made new. Now you have a new identity. You have a new destination, and you have a new nature. All things have become new for you. Romans 6, 6 says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. We are no longer under the power of sin, but under the power of Christ. Listen, there's only two types of slaves. You're a slave either way. You're either a slave of sin or you're a slave of God. One is a, is a bond servant, a willing slave, right? I, I, please, Jesus, make me your slave. <laughs> just bring me into your kingdom. I'll sweep the floors. Just tell me what to do, and I'll, I'll love it, right? And the other one is just being a bond, a bond servant, a slave to sin. 
I remember when I, when I wasn't saved, I thought, I just, I, I was so prideful in my autonomy. I just thought, you know, I rule my own life. Don't tell me what to do. And all the while, I, had, I was very into dark music, and I had all these pictures in my room of satanic symbols. And the, the Lord just reminded me after I got saved, like, you were under the sway of Satan. He had total control of you like a puppet, and you thought you were free. And I thank you, Lord, that you delivered me from that lie. Amen? Freedom in Christ. We were slaves to sin. Now we are slaves to Christ. We still sin, but we are not under the bondage of it anymore. Don't let the devil lie to you. Verse 18 says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I love how the NLT puts this. It says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. God did this amazing work in you. He brought about this amazing change in you. We didn't work for it. We couldn't earn it or deserve it. It's crazy to see, for me, especially that people raised in a, in a Bible-teaching church, they come up in the church and they still feel like it's Jesus plus. It's Jesus plus me being a good boy, me being a good girl. Listen, this is not the gospel. And the devil will always try to put that lie in your head. He did it all. Amen. He brought this change in your life. He reconciled you to, to the Father. You are a friend of God now. Reconcile means to restore friendly relations between, to cause to coexist in harmony, make or show to be compatible. Isn't this amazing? This is what God did. You're a friend of God. The creator of the universe loves you and wants to talk with you every day. He wants you to open his love letter and speak with him. Amen? Now, reconcile is from the Greek. It's katalazo. It means to change, exchange as coins for others of equivalent value. When I think of coins, I think of money. And I think of wages, right, being paid. I think of Romans where it says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, every time you sin, you're paid a wage, right? You're paid a wage of death. And think about that. As an unbeliever, every time you sin, that's just, not just physically, but you, even a thought, right? Jesus said if you lust in your heart that you've committed adultery. He, he equates gossip to murder, right? And so every time we decide to sin, there's a wage being paid, death, 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 until one day, eternal death. But yet Jesus paid that price for you, paid for every single one of those sins. I think the longer I walk with God, the more I'm aware of my sin, <laughs> And the more I'm aware of how good God's grace truly is, he paid it all for you. He paid that wage for you. God has done it. He reached you, and he fixed your broken relationship with him. And what is our response to this, church? Do you, if you've tasted this, you will respond to it. You won't just go, hmm, that's interesting. I'm pretty thankful for that. Oh, that's, that's good information. No, you'll be overjoyed and moved, right? You'll respond, and you'll respond by working for his kingdom, not out of guilt or out of obligation, but out of sheer joy. You'll work for his kingdom. This is our response. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He already created those works. 
You know, one of the things in 10th hour is that a lot of the young people that come there, they're really stressed out about God's will for their life. What am I going to do? You know, and I just say, follow Jesus and he'll open the doors of opportunity. He will. And he already created it for you. You can take a breath. <sighs> Jesus loves me. He's going to tell me where to go. Now, there might be four choices and that's okay too. You can pick one of the four and God will bless it. You know why? Because if you love God and you love others, you can do whatever you want. That's, man, that's like, wow. <laughs> Someone told me that once and they just, may and just relax, made me relax. Like, okay, if I love God with all my heart, soul, strength, and then I love others, then I can do whatever I want because I'm walking in the will of God and I will want what he wants, amen? And he created it for you to walk in it. It's just, it blows your mind. There's such freedom in Christ. In the words of the famous hymn, right, Jesus, because Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson, ugly, dirty, nasty stain, but he washed it white as snow. He washed you clean. He loves you, church. Do you know that Jesus loves you? He loves you. Look at the last verse of, uh, the last half of verse 18. It says, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What do reconciled people do? They bring others to be reconciled. What do reconciled people do? They bring others to be reconciled to God. I don't want anyone to suffer under the hand of the devil or the flesh. I don't want people to go to hell. He's passed the baton to us, right? He's given you the ministry. He's passed the baton to us. He's telling you, go and do likewise. Have you received the love from me, the gift from me? Go and do likewise. That we should bring the message of hope to the world that they too would be reconciled, have right relationship, coexist in harmony with God as well. We want them to, to be reconciled as well. I think sometimes in the political climate that we live in, we're just wagging our finger, right? You turn on the news and, oh, those stinking sinners. You're one, bro. <laughs> I'm one. I was out doing the same thing. If it wasn't for Christ, I would do the same thing. Where's our heart? I think some of us need a Fox detox. Turn it off, man, and go out there and love somebody, right? Go love someone. Tell them the good news and watch them be reconciled and come in here lifting their hands to God. Amen? You are an agent. Remember, Jesus told his disciples that they would do greater things in his name than he did. John 14, 12 says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. So what are those works? The work of bringing the gospel to the world and the conversion of millions and millions of people. He gave that to us, right? And he sent his Holy Spirit so that we would be his hands and feet. Jesus didn't travel very far from his house. In Israel, right? Never, he never wrote a book, right? He, only, he ministered for three years. But how is the world transformed by this one man? Through you, through you guys, through me. Isn't that amazing? The greater works he's doing is through us, his church. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And in verse 19, he says, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, I love what David Music says here. He says, through all the terrors of the cross, 
God the Father worked in and with God the Son, reconciling the world to himself. The Father and the Son worked together on the cross to bring that reconciliation, right? That he would pay for every single sin. He lived a perfect life. He was our example. He was the mirror, right? To show us God the Father. He came and lived it. And freedom isn't free, church. Jesus paid for it, right? We should never take advantage of his grace. It's not cheap grace. He, it took the death of his son to pay for it. The father doesn't impute our sins to us. He put them on Jesus and left them on the cross, and they are gone. Hallelujah. Our trespasses are forgiven. Listen, that word trespasses there. Every time we saw the do not enter sign in our conscience, and we went in anyway, he forgave us. Think about that. Every time you decided, right, because... It's not like, I fell into sin. I fell, <laughs> fell into sin. I don't know. I'm in sin. No, you decided. You made a choice, and you went into it. But every time you did that, Jesus forgave you. I think when I was a teenager, if I saw a trespassing sign, do not trespass. Bro, I'm going in. I got bolt cutters. I'm going to get on the roof. I'm going to do something. It was just the pride, right? We see that the law is our tutor that leads us to Christ. We see the law of God, and we go, you would tell me what to do, right? Or we see it, and it breaks us, and we, we run to the Savior, there's two, two responses to that. But every time we did it, Jesus paid for it. That's amazing. Every single thought that I've had, thank you, Lord. So he forgave us, and in some sense, he handed us the keys. It says, and he has committed to us, right? He gave it to us, the word of reconciliation. God did the reconciling and gave us his word of reconciliation, he handed it to us to be on mission with him. Amen? We are on mission with him. It's a co-mission. You and God. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded to you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus gave us a command, but he doesn't send us alone. He goes with us. And I can tell you firsthand that the, the, the most joyous thing is to share the gospel with somebody and have the Holy Spirit come upon you and give you what you need for that person that you're talking to. Give you the words, give you an insight into their life, give you power to pray for them, right? Because it says in Acts that he will come upon us with power and we will what? Be his witness. This is what the power of the Holy Spirit is for, to be a witness to Christ. But he's commissioned us to go. And this was the last command given to us. We're to obey it, right? The last command was go. And what are you going to do? Hopefully you're going to go. <laughs> I pray. Some of you are hesitant. I, well, I think I'm going to. Maybe. I don't know. You know. Go. Just go. Since Jesus has all authority, he can send us in that authority. Even the introverts today. Even all you introverts I know. I, see, listen, I always say that introverts are better evangelists. You know why? Because they're not flapping their lips all the time like an extrovert. They're going to think through what they're going to say. And when they say it, it's going to be profound. It's going to be powerful. Why? They've been thinking like a half hour on it. They're like, I'm going to say this. I'm really going to say this. And then when it comes out, you're like, thank the Lord, man. <laughs> God wants to use every one of us, amen, for his kingdom. And what is the word of reconciliation? It's the gospel message. 
Paul explains what the gospel is in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 4. He says, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. This is the gospel, right? If you know that verse, you can share it. Of course, got the gospel in a nutshell. Anybody know John 3, 16? Most of you do. First thing, when our students get on the ground, we go share the gospel. They haven't been trained yet. And they're like, dude, I don't know how to evangelize. Do you know John 3.16? Yeah? Okay, go tell that guy John 3.16. Let's get started, amen? <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God doesn't want any to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. And that's the simple message. And also in Romans, I love this, Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We weren't even looking for him. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him, his wrath. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Hallelujah. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. That's, that's such gold right there. Man, if, if you had one piece of the Bible, you could just read it over and over. Read that. I camp out a lot in Romans, Romans 8, Ephesians 1 and 2. Man, if you wrestle with anxiety or depression or anything, any kind of mental anguish, man, camp out in those verses. Remind yourself of who you are in Christ. Amen? Remind yourself of who you are in Christ. Don't let anyone lie to you. It's in that rejoicing. Since we have been re reconciled, in that rejoicing, we share with others that word of reconciliation. Verse 20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors or agents for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. So we are to rep Jesus in the world. We're his representatives. I heard a teaching the other day. Um, I think it was Pastor Josh White. He was talking about um, being the hands and feet of Jesus. And he said, if someone asks you what Jesus is like, you should be able to say, like me. I was like, dude. <laughs> like, boom. <laughs> Knocked me down. Whoa. But it's true. It is true. It doesn't mean your life's perfect. But it means that you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you live like Jesus. You love people, right? You, you show the, the fruits of the Spirit in your life. And it doesn't mean it's perfect. Because I think even in your mess, Jesus is glorified. Because you are a mess. If you're like me, you're a mess, right? But God is good. And for people to see that transparently through your life, like, oh, this guy, he's got problems. But he relies on one that is perfect. And I see that in him. And I see that in her. Amen? And that's how we're to live, to be God's representatives to the world around us. Listen, he, he, he made you a representative. You are saved from, right? We just read, we're saved from his wrath. We're saved from ourselves. We're saved from destruction. But we're also saved for. 
right? And I think that's, that's the part sometimes we forget. We just check out at that part. I'm saved, right? But now he's your Lord and your master. And now we're to do his bidding. And now you're an ambassador and hopefully a willing ambassador. It said, an ambassador is a person who acts as a representative or a promoter of a specified activity. In other words, for ambassador are campaigner, representative, promoter, champion, supporter, or agent. Right? I love that, that you're a campaigner. We campaign for all different kinds of things, but the, the one thing that we should campaign for, we don't do it as much. We're a little bit scared about that one, right? But man, that's, that's the best thing we should campaign for. May Jesus shift in your mind from burden to blessing, as he did for Warren Wiersbe, a famous pastor, written a ton of books. If you haven't read his stuff, I encourage you. But Warren Wiersbe was a young pastor, and he said this. He said, when I was a young pastor, it used to embarrass me somewhat to make visits and confront people with the claims of Christ. Then it came to me that I was a privileged person, an ambassador for the King of Kings. There was nothing to be embarrassed about. In fact, the people I visited should have been grateful that one of Christ's ambassadors came to see them. Isn't that cool? What a switch in your mind to be like, no, they should be happy that I'm coming. And if they're not, I'll tell them, you should be happy that I'm coming. <laughs> Get out of my face, bro. No, no, you actually should be pleased I'm coming, bro. I have a, I have a message that you really, really need, right? But it, it switched for him. And he became a bold evangelist and a bold witness for Christ. I remember a time we were sharing um, in, a, in a mall. I think it was here, actually, Clackamas Mall. And we were passing out tracks, talking to people. And uh, this guy, I was going to get a Coke at the Coke machine. This guy was getting a Coke. I'm like, hey, bro, did you get one of these? And we always say, did you get one of these? And give him a gospel track. He goes, dude, I got like five. You people are relentless, man. He's like, I'm just trying to have a day at the mall. I'm just trying to get some pants. And then all these people are throwing religious garbage at me. You know, and I go, well... Think about it this way. We, as we see it, we're trying to bring you hope. We're trying to bring you peace and love. And we believe uh, spiritually that a truck is heading at you and you're in danger of losing everything. And if it hits you, you're doomed. And we believe that Jesus is the one who can save you from that. That's all we're trying to do. We're not trying to get you to join a club or, you know, come give, our, give your money to the church or anything. We're just trying to show you Jesus and his love. And he actually was like, I never really thought about it like that. He actually switched his heart for a minute. Like, I didn't think about it. I'm just look at it from our perspective. We're not trying to push things on you. We just believe that the Lord Jesus can save you, and he has something that you would never, never, ever want to reject. And he walked away. I mean, he didn't get saved, but he walked away going, okay, yeah, I'll give you that. You know, and praise God, right? They should, we, they should see it from our perspective that we love you. We're only trying to extend a hand to you. This is missional living, right? Everywhere we go, we're just saying, Lord, is there someone here today? Not compulsively, right? We don't be pushing it all the time. We're just praying. Lord, is there someone here today that needs hope, that needs peace, that needs you? Proverbs 13, 17 says, a wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. I love that. Health for your, not only your body, but your soul, right? We bring health to people. Are you an ambassador today, saint? Are you an ambassador today? Listen to these statistics uh, from Barna Research on church evangelism. This is recent. It says, almost all practicing Christians believe that part of their faith means being a witness about Jesus, ranging to about 97% among, among all generational groups. 
And that the best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to know Jesus, about 97%. Millennials in particular feel equipped to share their faith with others. For instance, almost three quarters say they know how to respond when someone raises questions about faith and that they are gifted in sharing their faith with other people. Listen to this. Despite this, many millennials are unsure about the actual practice of evangelism. Almost half of millennials, 47%, agree that, that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith. That's bizarre to me. So they're equipped. They know. They understand. Comprehend. Ready to even re rebuke, you know, um, lies and use apologetics, all that. But yet somewhere in the back of their mind, they think, oh, I probably shouldn't do that. It's not nice or it's not appropriate or whatever the cultural lie is, right? Because all of us are called to be ambassadors, but the devil wants to put that into our culture. Just be quiet, bro. Just be quiet. Don't be rude. Don't be aggressive. Don't, da -da -da, you know, name, you name it, right? But that blows my mind. There's a misunderstanding of God's love here. There is a misunderstanding of God's love because evangelism is the overflow of a saved soul. Evangelism is the overflow of a saved soul. And I think we overthink it too much. It's like, what are they going to think? What am I going to do? I'm pushing it. Am I being rude? Am I being aggressive? Just love people enough to tell them the truth. Listen, Andrew, immediately after he met Jesus, what did he do? He went and told Peter, come, we found the Messiah, right? Right after he met him. What did the woman at the well do? Boom, I'm going to go tell my whole village about Jesus, about who this man is. It's just an overflow. I love what Paul Tripp says. He says, this isn't a part-time calling. It's a lifestyle. We represent God's purposes to the people he places in our lives. The primary question on our minds should be, how can I best represent the king in this place and with this particular person? This is much broader than a commitment to an organized ministry activity occupying a portion of our weekly schedule. It's not an evangelism meeting. It's just, I just love people, right? Not only are we his agents, but the Holy Spirit speaks through us and begs people not to reject Christ's offer of forgiveness and that gift of eternal life. He's pleading through us, right? As though God were pleading through us, it says. God's heart is broken and is begging sinners to be made right with him. Is that your heart today? Is that your heart? Do you see people as imago Dei, made in the image of God, and, desire, and, and you see the brokenness and want to bring restoration to them? I don't always feel that way. I'll tell you the truth. My, my biggest wrestling is with apathy. And it seems funny that I'm in, evan in evangelism ministry, <laughs> you know, but my heart is like, ah, they, they don't want to hear it, Lord. It seems like every time we do an outreach or something, I'm like, they don't want to hear it, Lord. But then God softens my heart and says, Dave, I love them. Go tell them. I think we need to sit before God. And just let him soften your heart. Just let him break it. Because it gets hard. I mean, we live in a world that's like, man, look what's going on, right? It can get, it can get you jaded. Sit before God until he breaks your heart. Amen? Yeah. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon says. I love that he's one of my favorite authors, just a beast of an expositor. <laughs> he says, lost, lost, lost. Better a whole world on fire than a soul lost. Better every star quenched and the skies a wreck 
than a single soul lost. Man, I need that heart. God, give us that heart. There's a city to reach here, right, that needs the love of God. It needs the love of God. That man gets it. Let Jesus wreck you in a good way. Now, we think sometimes we think some shouldn't even be saved because they're too evil. Not seeing that we are just as bad, right? Oh, you know, that guy, he really needs it. Listen, we're all monsters without Christ, right? Without his love and forgiveness, we are all destined for destruction. Let that sink into our hearts that he, he loves us. And why is his heart for us? Verse 21, and he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the great trade, his righteousness for your sin. The greatest trade in the world. Can you imagine the pain of carrying every person's sins? We think about the cross and the brutality of it, but really the weight of the sin of the world on your shoulders, man, that is where the pain really came to Christ. He did it. Jesus did it. He paid it. If you are in Christ, you are the righteousness of God today. That should blow your mind that you are the righteousness of God. When you stand before God, all he will see is Christ's righteousness when you stand before him. If you're banking on anything else, oh, woe to you. I talk to Muslims sometimes, and, they, and they, they, they talk about their good works, and I say, bro, you've told one lie. You're out, man. No good work will ever work for that. If Christ isn't all, then I am doomed. <laughs> if he didn't pay it all, I'm doomed. But I believe that he did, and I trust in what he's done for me. He paid it all. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. And that message should permeate your heart and reach the world to, around you. Amen? It should reach the world around you. Listen, church, I think you're, it, you're thinking about these verses, you're thinking about this message, and I think you could be in one of two places. One, you've experienced this amazing grace and needed to be reminded of it that you might share it. You need to be reminded of who God is, who you are, and go share it with somebody, right? And then two, maybe you've never ex truly experienced the great grace to have your sins forgiven and to be the righteousness of God, to know that peace that Jesus has saved my soul and I know where I'm going when I die. And not only that, but have peace now, right? Jesus said, I came to give you life, life more abundantly. Does it mean you're going to be without trials and you're going to have just a rosy life? No, you're going to have a lot of trials. Jesus told you to pick up your cross and follow him daily. It means you're going to have peace in the trials. It's going to be the best life you ever had to know the peace of God in a whirlwind of a, of a world we live in, where everything is going nuts. You're just going to be, man, I wake up in the morning and smile. Like, Lord, thank you for a, a drink of water. <laughs> Hallelujah, I have a drink of water. <laughs> just the peace of God, right? And God will be with you. Today is the day of salvation. If you haven't become a Christian, if you haven't asked Jesus to, to come into your heart, I pray that you would would do that today. There'll be people up here to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, can we have the prayer team come up and the, and the worship team come up? If you, have, if you need Jesus, maybe you just need boldness. You need boldness. Say, Lord, I want to press through my fear, and I want to represent you to the world around me. I want to share you at Safeway, <laughs> at 7-Eleven, at, at wherever you're at, right? I want to do that, and I pray that you will today. I want to say again, just thank you, Ryan, for having us out, and I hope you'll uh, uh, um, continue to 
allow the Lord to be the beacon of hope of this church. I want to ask for your prayers um, for the ministry. Like I said, the um, 10th Hour Project is an is a eight-month discipleship program for young adults um, focused on apologetics, theology, and evangelism and missions. That's what we do. If ever there was a time when young people need instruction in worldview, um, it's today, amen? It's now. Remember the statistic I shared with you earlier about Christians being equipped and thinking that it's actually wrong? This is what David Kinnaman, the president of Barna Groups, says we must do about it. He says, to start, we must pass on resilient faith to Christian young people. This is also a form of evangelism. Planning especially for the pivot point of the high school and college age years. Even after they are committed to sustaining resilient faith, we must persuade younger Christians that evangelism is an essential practice to following Jesus. It's part of your walk with God. You know, we have devotions, the breaking of bread, fellowship, worship, teaching of the word, and evangelism, and sharing. It is the other part, and I think sometimes we leave that out. And I think sometimes people think, well, oh, you have the gift of evangelism? Okay, we pray for you and you go. Actually, that's not how it goes. The Bible says that the evangelist is to equip the body for these things. You don't need the gift of evangelism to do the work of one, amen? So pray, please pray for us. We believe that the training that we're doing is going to impact the world as long as the Lord should tarry. There's ways you can help. I know many of you have, have helped the ministry. Thank you so much for that. Um, you can become a, a, a monthly sponsor, sponsor for us. You can take a short-term mission trip to, to uh, New Mexico, maybe, if God's going to have that coming up. Take a trip to Uganda, see what God's doing. But mostly, please pray for us, please. The devil hates what we do. He hates what we do. Right? And if you're ever in an effective place serving the Lord, you know the trials are going to come, and we feel them. But we also feel your prayers. We know that you do. So thank you. Um, please visit our table out here. There's more information. Get our newsletter and um, talk to the students. There's a bunch of 10th-hour students hanging out here. We'd love just talk to them about what God's doing. But thank you guys again. We love you. Um, I'm going to pray, and let's worship. Amen. Father, thank you so much for um, this opportunity to be with my family here in the Northwest, I love them. They're dear to my heart, and I'm so thankful. Thankful, Jesus, for Pastor Ryan and Mary and for all the leadership here, for all the people here that um, are just dear, dear brothers and sisters to me and to my wife and to our family. Thank you for um, this family that, that our, even our sons and, and daughters and, and grandkids can be here and be a part of this family. Such a joy to know they're in good hands. And we, we just love you, Lord. I pray for every soul in this building, God. The ones that are, don't know you, they're, right now they're unsure. I pray they come up to this stage and make a public declaration that I'm no longer gonna be under this bondage. I'm gonna be free in Jesus. I'm gonna accept him into my life and know that I'm free and that I'm going to heaven. And for those who are maybe trembling in their boots, I wanna be a witness, Lord, but I'm terrified. Lord, bring them up here to get prayer and come upon them in power that they might be your witness. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It just has to be that we're filled with both grace and with truth, and we emanate both to the world around us. We share it through not only our actions first, but our words. And so, God, we give you the glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.